In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. By focusing on what I can do and not what I can't do, being motivated to squeeze every bit out of that has really been probably the greatest thing that I've learned. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army. We, we salute, salute you. you. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, and as you heard, I'm here with my brother from another mother, Dale Culver. How you doing, my man? I'm doing awesome, buddy. Hey, I'm doing awesome, too. I, I'm really stoked about today's interview. I've got a good friend of mine who has done something s- extraordinary, uh, and I want him to come on the show and share it. It's just one of those things where you just see a guy does something just awe-inspiring. You just got to get him on the show. And so he's one of my close friends. He's got a powerful story. I think it's going to really inspire our guys. And I didn't have to read a book this week. You just got to bring a friend on the show. You probably still so, read a book. Yeah, actually I did. But anyway, that's a whole different story. <laughs> hey, do you got a man word for us today? I do. I'm going to... Go ahead. Uh, this is tough because usually you just plagiarize right off somebody's book cover. Uh-huh. But I'm going to go with the word... Trials. Trials. Nope. Nope, nope. What not, is it? No trials. I came up with because of, don't say perseverance or endurance. You've done that no, before. No, no, no. Because of who our guest is and knowing his hobby, I hyphenated a word. Oh, it's yeah, it's pedal on. Yes. How about how about just pedaling? No, pedal how about on. one word? Pedal on. You can oh, say pedaling. Okay, you can explain that word for <laughs> us because you just dug yourself. A well, deep I was hole. thinking about climbing, uh, moving forward, pedaling on is. Uh, I mean, I'm this guy does a lot of hills on mm-hmm. his bike, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, so there's some tough tough trials in our lives, and we just got to pedal on, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving, um, and not stop. Keep spinning, baby. Well, keep it's in, if, as we as Alan will show earlier, if you do a really hard ride and you're super sore, you have to go out the next day and spin just to get the lactic acid out. So there's yes. there's a real there's a real truth to to that, even though you grasp wildly in the dark so do you have a shout out for us on itunes i do uh this is uh it says new listener and his name is fj guy 22 thank you so much for your uh review here and if you just hit me up go to meninthearena.org hit the contact and then hit me up and i want to send you out some swag yeah check out our new website man it's awesome so hey i'm really excited today got my good friend on the phone uh alan schwartz alan is 56 years old He's married to my pseudo sister. <laughs> Call her uh, Susan for the last 32 years. So uh, he uh, he was on our show way back in episode 14. So if you want to go back and listen to his podcast and how far we've come since then, it's a little embarrassing. But Alan did fine. But just the podcast itself has really uh, grown and matured, and that's exciting. And Alan is a businessman who lives on a century farm in McMinnville, Oregon. He's a six-time finisher of the Leadville Trail 100 mountain bike race. This is a 100-mile mountain bike race that starts from Leadville, Colorado, which is the highest city in America. And he did it six times. And not only do it do it six times, that the way he did it is going to blow your mind. And so, uh, Alan, it's great to have him on the show, man. 
Hey, thanks, Jim. Really glad to be here. Hey, man, I'm excited to have you, man. So, uh, hey, can you do me a favor and just give uh, five minutes and just share a little bit more about yourself, your life, uh, anything that you think the guys might want to hear about? Well, I'm, I'm self-employed my entire life. Um, I run a small media company, um, and I couldn't do it if it wasn't for my uh, partner in life, uh, your, your sister, <laughs> Susan. <laughs> Um, got two beautiful daughters and a son, two grandkids, um, uh, and, uh, just living here in, in, uh, in wine country in Oregon, loving it. So. And you just became a father-in-law. I did. My youngest daughter, Kate, just got married. Uh, it was, it was, uh, one of the hardest things I've ever done. This whole idea of kind of, uh, uh, letting go, but, uh, it was one of the most uh, rewarding things to see this young couple just totally in love. It's awesome. Yeah, the picture of you before the wedding, I go, I bet he was more nervous for this than Leadville. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then absolutely. there's a picture of your wife, and she's doing the double six shooters type of thing. Like, oh, my gosh, so that funny. pretty much says it all. Oh, yeah, it really, really does. <laughs> anyway, so, hey, I'm going to throw you right into our rapid fire round. Are you ready for this? I am ready. Give, now, give it to me. Now, Alan, because we're friends and we go back quite a ways here, I've done, I'm have done. i doing something I've never done before. I'm calling this the rhyme or reason round. So I've taken words that, to me, explain you and, and, and your accomplishments well, and I've, I've put them in together in poetry groupings. <laughs> and so uh, I'm going to ask you just to – I'm going to group these in groups of three, and I'm just going to read them off to you. I'm just going to have you just explain what these words mean in their grouping, okay? Sure. Man, if you can do this, I'll, we'll go out and have drinks later. I'll, t- I'll buy you a drink. So <laughs> anyway, here we go. Here we go. Here, here's the first group of words, uh, rhyme or reason. The discipline, inspiration, perspiration. Discipline, inspiration, and perspiration. Uh, you know, what comes to mind, <clears throat> Jim, in my life is it's something that I've learned later in life. Um, I did not grow up with a ton of discipline, inspiration, and discipline. So, um, But I have experienced a great deal of that in the last, let's say, uh, 25, 30 years. So uh, uh, it's, those are three really important things and things that I've had to develop um, as an adult, which is, uh, which is very different probably from a lot of people. Oh, yeah. dude, I like that. I appreciate that, man. How about this one, the, this grouping pain, gain, and train pain, gain, and train. Well, that's one thing I can relate to. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I grew up in Minnesota. Um, I was a hockey player. Uh, I started playing hockey at age four. Um, and so I've, I've uh, experienced intense uh, um, uh, pain, gain, and training, uh, you know, for a long time as a hockey player. Um, but I've also, I can apply that in life and uh, been through some tough trials. And, and uh, um, the bottom line is you, you got to train through the pain and, uh, and you come out the other side. So it's, uh, yeah. I've got on my on my screensaver. I've got a, a quote from Rich Froning, who's a four-time CrossFit World Champion, and he said, "In training, you listen to your body. In competition, you tell it to shut up." And I, I yeah. thought that's kind of appropriate because I know with your training, it seems like the last four or five years, at least since I've kind of watched the process, you get to about June and you kind of have a body meltdown, and your body kind of breaks down, and you're like, "Man, what happens?" and this year I saw you, and you're in that mode. You're icing your leg or something, and I said, well, this is kind of normal every year, and you're kind of going, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'll be okay. But the, the training, we're going to talk about the training later, but, I mean, the training that you do is grueling, and you do it in a way that's really unique. You don't have a road bike. You ride your mountain bike every single day. So when a guy is posting a 60-mile bike ride on Strava, usually he's on a road bike. You're not. You're on a mountain bike, and you're usually on mostly dirt road. And so it's a really unique style of training. But anyway, let's let's get back to the questions. Here's my next uh, poetic grouping. <laughs> Miles, styles, and trials. Miles, styles, and trials. Uh, boy, I, I, 
you know, again, as it relates to the, my passion, which is mountain biking, one of my passions, uh, every year is, is I set a goal uh, for the total number of miles. Uh, every year there's something new that comes up that, that maybe gets in the way of reaching that goal. And, and, and at the end of the day, it's, it's about overcoming whatever that is that comes up. It's not if it will come up. Uh, it's what will it be this time around and how do I adapt and, and get there? So, and I think that's, you know, I guess you could, you know, you can apply that in life too, right? Cause there's, yeah. we are, you know, Bible talks about us becoming, we are overcomers in Romans and, and, um, what that means to me is that we put in the work, we put in the, you know, go back to discipline. We do all those things because we know the trial is going to come. But um, we need to be prepared to to overcome it. So, yeah, I heard a guy, Benjamin Disraeli, businessman. I, no, he wasn't. A, I think he was an ambassador or something. But he said, "I spent all my life becoming an overnight success." Yeah, and so yeah. it's really easy to go, "Oh, the Leadville 100. Oh, that's awesome. I can do that." Well, <laughs> I watched what you did, and I go, "No, I couldn't. I'm not. Re- I'm not willing to do what you did, which sets you apart, right?" And so that's what's, but you did mentor a young man who did accomplish his first ever Leadville 100 this year with you. Yeah, he absolutely did. It was, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun this year. I really wasn't even going to do it this year. Um, but, uh, I had every year I sign up for the lottery. So the Leadville 100, uh, started 25 years ago in Leadville, Colorado. The founder Ken Clauber, um, was a miner. Um, mm. in the mines in Leadville. Leadville at one time was the capital of Colorado because of the mining population. Most people don't know that. But there was so much money coming out of the mines in Leadville that, um, and there was, the economy was such that it was the capital of Colorado. But as the mines washed out in the early 80s, uh, their their economy collapsed. And so Ken started the Leadville Trail 100 uh, run, and then a few years later started the mountain bike ride to bring, uh, you know, uh, tourists and and industry to their little town. And it's it you start at ten thousand two hundred feet at the starting line, and you go as high as twelve thousand six hundred feet. And over the course, and out and back, so it's fifty uh, fifty two miles out, fifty two miles back. And over the course of the day, you climb over uh, 11,000 feet of vertical climbing. Holy cow. So it's and, – and, and the race includes uh, uh, Tour de France champions uh, to just uh, run-of-the-mill uh, guys like myself. And so that's a pretty cool. You get to line up with uh, some, of, some of the world's elite athletes and, and, and go out there. And it's really about you against the course. It's really not about trying to beat them. Um, but it's you against the course. So it's a, it's a grueling day and they, they have cutoffs all along the way. And if you don't make the cutoff, they, they, uh, ask you to stop for your own safety and, and a good chunk of people don't ever finish the race. Wow. Well, a couple things that stru- struck me. I, I didn't realize, I don't know. Did you know Doc Holliday used to live in Leadville? Yes. I, yes. I Doc Holliday. And then it used to be called Oro city because it started off as a gold mine. They realized that couldn't find the gold and they're panning for gold because this film was over the top and it was the lead, which they went into silver mining and thought that was really interesting. And so I want to jump into some questions here because this, I just tapped out. I don't know if you know this, Alan, I just tapped out on a hike in Wyoming where we tried to summit a 13,167 foot peak and I just couldn't acclimate and all sorts of, I got all sorts of excuses, but I didn't make it. And so now it was a 4,200-foot climb, 11,000 feet. People don't really understand what that looks like. That's like riding from the Pacific Ocean to the top of Haleakala Crater on the island of Maui. That's, that's 11,000 feet. That's insane. And so, But I want to go back to this, Alan, because you said it started off as a Leadville 100 run, but, I, but you've never done the run. Can you tell me why? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody in my family knows uh, uh, I do not run. Um, 
I, I mentioned to you, I was a hockey player for, for many years. And in 1997, roughly 1996, I began to notice a real decline in my skating. I was still skating pretty regularly uh, in different leagues. And uh, uh, I eventually went to the doctor and they couldn't identify what the problem was. They told me things like, oh, you shouldn't be skating at your age anyway, uh, blah, blah, blah. And uh, uh, after going to several doctors and insisting that something was wrong, finally had a full body MRI and they found a tumor in my lower back. It's called a schwannoma. It's a non-cancerous tumor. But the tissue had grown so large that it had enveloped the, the nerve route down my spine that was controlling my right side. And so I saw the doctor on a Thursday and I was in surgery on a Monday. Whoa. And uh, uh, my dad came over, my wife was there, uh, and we went into this fairly optimistic uh, thinking that they were going to be able to remove the tumor and I would be, uh, but there was a small chance that, um, once they got in there, you know, you never know what you're going to find in there. Well, this was one of those small chances. And I, I told my dad, I said, when I come out of anesthesia, I want you to be brutally honest with me. I want you to give me thumbs up or thumbs down. I don't want any messing around. And, uh, so I came out of anesthesia and, there they are, my wife and Susan and my dad at the de- at the bedside. And I said, what is it? And he had to give me the thumbs down. Oh. And what they had found was it becomes so entwined in the nerve route that they tried to cut it out and they, they, they around it. But if this type of tumor, if you don't get it all out, it will come back. Oh, man. 100% guarantee it'll come back. You got to get it all. So they tried burning it out with a laser. They tried cutting it out. And eventually the doctor just had to make the call. And in order to get it all, he had to cut some of the nerves. And so what the end result was in 1999, my, uh, um, my whole right, my right leg now is relatively numb and everything from my knee down, um, has begun to atrophy and I have what they call as drop foot. So I can't raise my right foot up. I can press down on it, but I can't raise it up. And so, um, yeah, so, so not only did I have that going on, but in the same time period, uh, I had ulcerative colitis, which got so bad that I ultimately had to have a surgery or they removed my large intestine. So I don't have a large intestine. I only have a small intestine. And the role of the large intestine is to um, process fluids and hydrate and hydrate your body and because it draws all the, the fluids in. So the combination of those two things and some, some other things were pretty devastating to where in 2000, um, I pretty much had to give up my, my passion for hockey. And um, I, I turned to mountain biking as something that I could do because I could clip my bad foot in I, I literally clip it into the pedal and it would hold my foot in. So <laughs> I did not know those two surgeries were mutually exclusive. I thought they were connected. Yeah, no, they were, they're two completely separate issues that landed at the exact same time window. So, so as your friend, I, I, you know, you walk with a slight limp, but because you're so insane on the mountain bike and, and actually when you walk into a room, you used to own a gym, you owned a fitness center back in right. the eighties, maybe early nineties. Yeah, yeah. And so you actually, uh, I read an article somewhere, Alan, and they say like the Tour de France, the, the typical biker frame is two pounds of body weight. Is it no, two pounds of body weight per inch? And you're 5'10? Yeah, yeah. So so you're way oversized. You have kind of a bodybuilder frame. So you don't even have a real frame as a elite biker. So you've right. got that, plus you've got the drop foot, plus you have the, the intestines thing. So you've got a lot of these things stacked up, apparently against you, but it, it didn't hint, it doesn't hinder you. I mean, you're you're insane. I mean, I I just the the mile. So how many miles do you put in over the last six years? How many miles have you averaged over the last six years in training for one of these events? So what's your total average in miles? Yeah, each year I, I do somewhere between four and 5,000 miles on the mountain bike, which to road, roadies out there will say that's, that's, that's not a lot of miles because for a roadie it really isn't. But for me, 
the way that breaks down is I, I, I ride um, in getting ready for Leadville. I usually start about 10 months out. So I'll start in mid-November uh, for an August, mid, mid-August race. And so I'll ride uh, 15, 16, 17 times a month. So over 150 rides uh, in preparation for, for, the, uh, for the race day itself. And then along the way, I have several, like this year I did, uh, I did one, two, I did about six different races leading up to it because, uh, you know, I think it's in, in, in racing, um, training is great, but you really need to have the pressure of the race day to really draw out the best of, you you know, best you've got to offer. So, so you mentioned roadies, which is a re- reference to road bikers. Yeah. Well, yes. the reason why they say that is because you like on Strava, you can tell the road guys in Oregon, you know, they're climbing 200 feet, 300 feet, you know, right. but what's your average climb when we're, you're talking 5,000 miles, but what's your average climb is what in vertical feet gained? Uh, well, each day it's in, in the area that, that I live in, it's, um, uh, the kind of the rule of thumb is every 10 miles, there's a thousand feet of vertical climb around here where I, the trails that I ride on the gravel roads. So, um, it's not, and so the average ride is somewhere between, um, 15 to 25 miles. So you're, you're looking at, um, a minimum of 1500 feet of vertical climb up up to 2,500 feet in, in vertical climb in a training day. Yeah. yeah, and somebody in let's say Colorado or Wyoming may say, "Well, that's not a big deal." But, but what people don't realize out here in Western Oregon is, not only are you dealing with climbing and roads and gravel, but you have to contend with weather. Talk for those people who don't understand Oregon. What what does a typical ride look like for you, November through May? Yeah, the you know a lot of the people that I train with, a lot of the people um, that get ready for Leadville, you know, the move has really been to move towards uh, the Peloton and Zwift and all these indoor you know spin bikes, which are all great options. But uh, for me, um, I've I've uh, I've just believed in uh, riding uh, outdoors every ride. So this year, for instance, of the 150 or so rides that I did. I think I rode indoors maybe three or four times, and that was only because I was traveling and I was in a in a hotel uh, gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, uh, I you know in November and December, and you know you know how it is January and February here. Quite often, I'm I, I've got uh, layers of, of waterproof gear on, and go out, and I still go out and get completely soaked head to toe. Um, but I prefer to train for and ride in the conditions that I'm going to run into in, you know, in the races. Plus I, it's just mentally, uh, getting outdoors is really important for me. So. Well, it's interesting now on, on my heart, I wear a heart rate monitor and when I go, cause I am the inside spin class guy when you're 260, it's a lot easier to go indoors. And so when I go inside and ride a bike versus outside and ride a bike, I burn three times the amount of calories outside and my heart rate is longer over an extended period of time. So there's no comparison to which is more effective. And so, and that was funny. I was actually training for our death ruck this year. And uh, three of us were climbing in the snow. It was snowing. There's about a foot of snow on the ground. And we get to the top of the hill. Who do we see? Alan Schwartz on a mountain bike in the snow. <laughs> I mean, so it's just insane. So, Alan, with, you know, I, I, I want to come back to your leg. So how much smaller is your calf, let's say, because that's where you have the most loss. How much smaller is your calf on the bad leg as opposed to the good leg? Have you measured the circumference? Uh, I, no, you know what? I haven't, I've never measured it. I've, um, I would say it's probably a, a third or even less than, than, than the other side. You know, the, my family, uh, we, 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 we're, a, we're a fun-loving family, but our humor is sarcastic. They call me bone leg. So, oh. uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's very, uh, the muscle, the, the, because the patellar tendon no longer functions, uh, and then I don't have that lifting action that the calf is completely, uh, 
uh, almost gone. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty stark difference from the other side. So. Okay. So Alan, I got a question. You said you don't have the lifting action. Yeah. I remember riding for you. We did a 24 hour mountain bike relays relay race about four years ago that I still am having counseling for post-traumatic stress disorder over. But, uh, but, but you, I remember training for that and you were saying, man, my, my legs really bothering me and my power stroke is my downstroke, but I have to switch my stroke up. Did that ever happen? Did you switch from a power downstroke to a power up, upstroke? Yeah. Walk us through that. Well, I was, I was finding that I was doing every, because of my, uh, challenge. I was doing everything, um, standing, climbing, doing everything, leveraging my quads. I had, I had good quads from my days in hockey and I had several people tell me that that's going to, going to hurt you in the long run. So I had to change my riding style to where I did a lot less standing, a lot more sitting. And on the right side, instead of really, you know, I still push down, but I, because I'm clipped in, I had to really learn to pull up from my knee upward uh, to to on my on my pedal stroke. So I've, I've changed my um, riding style almost completely to where the first few Leadville's I would get on these long, extended, brutal climbs, and I was constantly out of the saddle trying to drive with my quads. Now I stay seated and and I'm trying to engage different parts of my. Um, muscle groups because, uh, I was just, I was wearing, wearing them out by leaning on just one set of muscles. So So you've got, you've got to be really focused on hydration within lack of intestine, large intestines. You have the drop foot and then you've had to learn to pedal unlike most bikers. Is that what I'm understanding? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So yet you pull off this race six years in a row and honestly it wasn't even close you finished well under the allotted time right in, in order to finish and get the finishers belt buckle um and they have some different time brackets but my goal is always to finish in the 12 hours and under i've finished um uh, all, each of my six races i've finished between 10:01 and 10:34. so and uh, what's the cutoff time before you get cut 12 hours 12 hours yes so yeah. you're finishing about an hour and a half to two hours under the a lot of time so you're and you're not a professional biker you're a just you're a business owner you're the a normal guy like most of us but you're doing this thing that's extraordinary what's the biggest challenge that you have faced in six years of training for this race is it an emotional challenge is it spiritual is it physical what, what's the biggest challenge that you've experienced I don't know if I can identify, uh, you know, the challenges are similar. And then every year there's something new, uh, you know, the challenge is, can I be disciplined enough, uh, to, to, uh, do the training, you know, riding, you know, it's now 15 times a month doesn't sound like much, but the time you have travel and you have, you know, I'm very involved in my, with my family involved in my local church, I'm involved in a lot of things. So carving out, you know, uh, eight to 10 hours a week to do this is, is a, is a real challenge. Financially, it's a challenge because as you know, equipment is, is expensive. I, you know, a lot of the, uh, supplements and different things that I, that I use, um, is expensive. So, you know, time finances and then health. The biggest thing is trying to stay healthy at the right times because quite often, um, uh, you're going to get sick when you do this much cardio training. You're, you're, I, I normally once a year have a real, um, uh, airway, you know, breathing issue that I've got to get some sort of infection that I've got to tackle. And then there's race day itself. You know, it's become more and more mental. Um, the longer I've gotten because I, 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 have a, <laughs> I have a record. I've never not finished a race. Uh, it's fairly common for people do a lot of racing to DNF. You know, if you have a, a mechanical that just shuts you down, a uh, physical that shuts you down. And so that pressure has built over time. And then each individual race day has its own unique challenge. My first ever Leadville 100, uh, I got up to the start line and 
my, my rear brake uh, went soft. And I'm standing in the start gate and I'm realizing I'm not going to have a rear brake for the next 104 miles on a race course that I've only seen parts of. And half of it is going downhill at great speed. So you, you've ridden, and you, you're a great rider. You know that rear brake is really critical going downhill. <laughs> if you, unless you want to endo. Yeah, exactly. Then, then ride exactly. the front great bake. Yeah. Yeah. And so I rode up over the first two climbs. I got 30 miles into the race and I, I had a coach at that time. And I went into the first pit stop and I'm, I'm explaining to my coach, I'm like, I have no rear brake. I have no rear brake. And the coach, this is such an awesome moment, looked at me, put their hands on either side of my face and said, Alan, do you know how to ride a bike? And I said, yes. And then they said, then ride your bike. And uh, I, <laughs> I took off and I just managed it. Uh, the whole way, uh, you know, I was a little bit slower because of it, because I, I couldn't really let it loose on the downhill, but uh, I overcame that. So it was, uh, so that was in the first time I had raced. The second time I had uh, a flat, I was probably on my way to my best time ever. And I had a flat uh, and you know me, I, I, I am not mechanically inclined. So, uh, but I managed to, to get the flat fixed. Um the next race, I bonked. Uh, I, I rode so fast and so way over my head that I uh, got within four miles of the finish line and just stopped. And I was standing along the side of the course, and somebody that I had been seesawing with all day long yelled at me and said, you got to be kidding me. You've been kicking my butt all day, and now you're just sitting there and kind of snapped me out of uh, at elevation and at dehydration. The combination is pretty intense. Yeah, you, yeah get really rummy and and uh and then uh probably my this last year this year was my was my best race in terms of consistency and i didn't have a real um uh challenge to overcome on race day other than mentally two weeks before the race i was told i had a, a double hernia yeah and, just uh, that just that just, yeah <laughs> And so I did do some inquiring to the doctor, the surgeon, and to the a lot of the racers on the on the racing community that I'm part of. And they're like, "Oh man, we I've done that. Don't worry about it." Uh, I, I you know it bothered me, but I went ahead and did it. and I'm glad I did. So. Yeah, my leg doesn't work. I'm missing my large intestines. I'm going to the most grueling race in America, and I have a double hernia. Ah, no big deal. <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's funny when you tell the story, it's like matter of fact to you, but my mouth has dropped open. We've got guys you know, all over I, the country listening. I don't I try not to think of it that way, but I, I, I do have to confess I, I, I this young kid that I took with me. Uh the night before we were just joking around and, and they were asking me about how you know, about all these things and and uh, I just said to him, I said well, I'm just telling you, I'm I could be your father, and I have all I listed off all these things. Said if I beat you, you're gonna be you're gonna be pretty disappointed. And I really did not expect to beat him. I ended up beating him, so I kind of feel bad. <laughs> how well? It's his first time. How bad? How bad? How how bad did he, did you uh, thrash the young buck? <laughs> no, not only by about ten or eleven minutes. So it wasn't a bad beating, but in, in that race, that's a lot of time. So. But to give him credit, he really is a brand new mountain biker too. He just kind of picked it up and started going like within a year. Right. Yeah. He, he's amazing. He, uh, and well, actually I think he'd been riding the last couple of years, but he, he was an athlete in high school and things. And like a lot of us, he got heavy and, um, uh, he lost, I think 45 pounds riding his bike. And he went from in our Tuesday night group that we ride with, he went, uh, all trails. He, he went from, kind of bringing up the rear each week to dominating. I mean, just, just destroying all of us. So he's, wow. he's, he's amazing. That's yeah. pretty cool. Hey, we're going to take a short break and hear from our sponsor. We're going to come right back. The Men in the Arena is a nonprofit organization with the mission to inspire men towards becoming their best version and changing their world. Every man in the arena matters. Our Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum for men is a great way to dialogue about manhood with men from around the world. There we have lively discussions on every topic of manhood imaginable. Join that group 
today. Because of the passion to see men get out of the bleachers and into the arena, Jim wants to offer some powerful resources to all men who visit our website at meninthearena.org. Give us your email and we'll send you a free PDF version of the field guide. It's Jim's 365-day bathroom book for men. It's the study of manly words in the Bible, illustrated with great stories. This is also a great resource for all our arena men. We'll also add you to our weekly equipping blast, including Jim's personal blog, prayer requests, and weekly boots on the ground mission. Men, the stakes are high. The pressure is on. Do you hear the roars of those you love and those anonymous voices in the bleachers pleading for you to enter the fight? Because when you get it, everyone wins. Now, back to our episode. So through this process, Alan, I mean, you've had to work through things that, God willing, most of us will never have to work through. How has God inspired you through the process? What what has God taught you uh, to build your inner character through this? And how could you encourage our guys listening? Yeah, that's a great question. <clears throat> you know, the the bike training and the, and the trials prior to the bike training that kind of led me into mountain biking, uh, probably the greatest lesson that I've learned is, you know, we all hear these sayings like, do you see the glass half empty or half full? Um, but I think it's really taught me gratitude. Mm. Uh, I, 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 as you know, and we've talked about this, I rarely think about the challenges that I have, you know, going into riding mountain bikes. I, I focus on, and, and this is not some great thing that I've, that I've done myself. It's just been kind of where God has led me down this path. And so as I sit and try and think about it, I'm, I am, uh, by focusing on what I can do and not what I can't do, um, and being motivated to squeeze every bit out of that, um, has really been, uh, probably the greatest thing that I've learned this, this idea of if I put my mind to it, if I focus on what I have and not what I don't have, if I pull out all the stops, I mean, I, I look at my nutrition, I look at, uh, you know, uh, other training off the bike. I look at training on the bike. I look at my equipment. I look at all those things. Um, and then going out and just having fun doing it, uh, is, is huge. And so the way that is translated in my life is a few years ago, uh, God really challenged me. He said, this is great, Alan. Are you doing that in our relationship? Ooh. I hate I hate when he does that. Uh, yeah, I mean that was a real convicting moment. He said, "Look, you're you're putting your finances, you're putting your time, you're putting all this effort, you're putting it, and uh, are you are you doing the same thing for me?" And so I, I I had to really kind of do a gut check and say, "Wow, that that is a uh, a, a terrific question," and and so it really has caused me to. Um, take the approach that I have in mountain biking now and apply it in other areas of my life, you know? So my relationship with him, my relationship with my local church and my relationship with my wife, you know, am I and my family, am I investing that kind of effort, that kind of energy, um, in them, uh, equal to what I'm doing in, in, in the mountain biking. So. That's really powerful, man. I, I loved what you you said, Alan. You said, "By by, I focus on what I can do versus what I can't do, squeezing everything out of it." <laughs> I love that, squeezing everything out of it. So, I mean, when you're when you set out to do something so extraordinary like doing Leadville six years straight, with the challenges that you have, you've got to squeeze a lot out of it. And and I've I've seen as your friend I've seen that you've made you've made sacrifices. What are some of the as you look at the last six years? What are what are some of the sacrifices that you feel like you've made to accomplish this? Uh, well, I, I touched on it a little bit earlier. It, you know, number one, it's 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 um, there's a pretty good time issue. You know, when you it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you take eight to 10 hours of your outside of your work life and your family life, uh, to, to, to train, uh, each week, um, you know, that now we're talking, you know, we're talking 30 hours a month that, 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 that time has to come from somewhere. Uh, and so, you know, Susan, my wife's been extremely 
uh, giving and supportive of, of that time away. Um, I have, as you, you know, relationships with, um, I have a lot of good friends where, um, they want me to go hunting or they want me to do this or do that. Uh, and where I have to say no. So it's, it's time. Um, it's, it's focus, you know, where is your focus? So, so I think that's the biggest thing is, is trying to prioritize where you're going to give your time. And, and so that, and you've said, you know, six years in a row, actually, because of the sacrifice that it takes, time, money, relationships, um, I've actually, I did it in 11, 12. I took 13 off. Oh. So that I could, you know, have bring some balance back in. I did it in 14. I took 15 off. I did it in 16. Uh, and then in 17, I, I did a race in northern Minnesota, which was a 100 miler, which, by the way, just cracks me up. I thought I was going to another state to do uh, a really fun, you know, and I grew up in Minnesota, so I, kn- I knew what to expect in terms of the, the woods and the, and the, uh, the climbs and things. But what I wasn't expecting is it to downpour from the moment we started till the end. It was it was wetter than anything I've ever done in Oregon. And, and you know how wet Oregon can be. But it poured from the moment we left to the moment we finished. And uh, but anyway, and then I went back in 18 this year. So the, the, the cost is is time, energy and, and, and relationship time. So I could have swore you rode Leadville last summer. You didn't do Leadville that summer. Oh no! I'm sorry. I did do it last summer. I had 18 and 19. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You took 17, 17 to do that. 17 was was Duluth. Yeah, up in Minnesota. Yeah, I remember yeah. how miserable you were with that. You're like, oh, under, yeah. I undersold that. So, well, you know, you talk about work sacrifice versus, but what what you haven't talked about is that your your career, you travel. I mean, you're gone. Yeah. You ha- aren't you a million miler, or yeah. something like yeah. that. So how yeah. do you how do you how do you train when you're doing all the traveling you do? Uh, I, I talk about discipline. I, I've really, you know, during the, you know, November to August, uh, my travel, I try and go out on uh, an early Tuesday morning and I come home by Thursday night. And so I can get, um, three full days on the road, but only two nights and uh, away from my own bed. And uh, I, I, I schedule my days off, my re- recovery days around around those travel days. And then I, you know, I do work out on the road. I'd like to say I work out more than I do. I, I, I become less um, disciplined the older I get to, to work out on the road like I used to. But I, do, I will spin. I will do a lot of core work, that kind of thing that you can easily do in, a, in, in your hotel room or in the gym. Well, another thing you've sacrificed, I mean, uh, what we haven't said is your wife Susan's the one that really got you into mountain biking. Yeah, I mean she was a she was a racer. Yeah, so when I was going through the um, all those surgeries, I literally had a hospital bed brought into our bonus room, and uh, I slept in it for six months because I was stapled basically from stern, you know, my my chest all the way down uh, where they opened me up to take out my large intestine. And she was, uh, she had been racing for a couple of years in a local race series uh, up on one of our mountains, Mount Hood. And uh, so she was really getting into mountain biking and was was doing very well. Uh, When I was in my recovery phase, it it was a big deal for me to walk out to the mailbox and back. And uh, so she kind of challenged me to, to start riding mountain bikes and which I really didn't have a lot of interest in at first. But I started riding with her and, and uh, uh, we began, we found a community of riders that did some riding right out our, basically in our backyard. And that slowly became um, something that I could do, something that helped me get back into shape. So yeah, she was the inspiration for that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, with your training, because you're, you're, you're regimented in your training, you have a, a, a map you're following uh, and I know for me personally, like the only days I could ever ride with you is on your off days <laughs> where you're like doing this easy workout and I'm sucking, sucking air like a stuck pig. And, and with Susan, there's a sacrifice there because she can't ride. I know you guys do Saturdays together, right? right. And so, yeah, she, yeah, you're right. She gets frustrated because yeah, when I'm in the, in the heat of the training, um, it, unless I like with, uh, my, this, 
young guy that I was training with, um, unless I'm with him, um, it kind of frustrates all my other mountain bike friends because you're right. I have a very specific thing I need to do. I need to get my heart rate in a very specific range. I need to go X number of miles. And so it does, it takes away from the, just the joy of riding. And, you know, I'm post Leadville now this year and I've just been going out and riding and for fun. And it just, it's such a treat. In fact, Susan, Susan and I are going to go later this morning and go for a ride. So. I need to start doing that with you guys. I, I anyway, that's a whole personal problem. But uh, <laughs> so when I think of you, Alan, I think of this verse. This is one of my life verses. I want to tell you. I want to ask you. What does it mean to you in light of our discussion today? Colossians three twenty three says, "Whatever you do, work out with all your heart, as working for the Lord rather than men." What does that verse mean to you? Well, it, it kind of goes back. I mean, it ties in nicely with this. This. Um, this kind of convicting moment that I had with the Holy spirit on, on asking me, you know, that on one hand was encouraging me saying, I'm very proud of what you're doing. And the other hand was saying, are you applying that same kind of energy and effort into our relationship? Hmm. You know, we're, we're, we're asked and we're called and we're on, we're on this, live this life. Um, not just for ourselves. We, we live this life to be here as encouragers and edifiers and, and exhort others in, and through, example through um sacrifice through relationship and 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 you know i believe god really values excellence excellence in in our holiness in our in our um in our work life in our relationships in in everything that we do so uh that's that's the way i see it um and i i strive to or I'm, I'm trying to take the same kind of discipline the same kind of effort and things that that i'm doing you know on my, in my mountain biking in this passion and apply it to other areas of my life i almost think it's unfair because and this might sound a little weird but when i ride i really you know i pray for all the riders i pray for god to give me uh an opportunity encourage others on the course and one of the prayers that i always pray is I, i'm like lord i'm not asking you to help me but I'm asking you to allow me to ride to the very best of my ability, mm. uh, even even to the point of can I ride at the level that I was given in my original design? Ooh, because yeah. I, I don't believe I don't believe God um, wanted it wasn't His will or desire for my intestine to go away or for my foot, my my paralysis or any of that. And so I ask Him. I don't ask Him for some sort of unfair advantage. I say just let me ride at what my original design was. And I've had a lot of people that I've prayed that prayer over as I ride with it. And they're always kind of shocked by that. And my, I remember my sister, you know, saying that is a, that's a crazy prayer, but I really believe that he honors that and takes great joy in that. And, uh, and, and, and 10 hours on the bike, you, you'd be amazed at the conversations you have with God as you're riding through all these emotions and things. And, oh, usually and, for me, it's Lord Jesus, help me. Lord Jesus, come quick. <laughs> <laughs> Lord Jesus, cut 60 pounds off my butt. Anyway, but you know, uh, you ride alone a lot <clears throat> because of your training, which having Aaron with you this year training was a blessing. Yeah. But uh, when I when I think of Colossians 3.23, I think that we perform for an audience of one. And you were yeah. just saying that you spend your time in prayer, and uh, I got a question for you. I just had this pop up in my head, and I think this is interesting. So let's go back to 1995, Alan Schwartz, and let's look at 2019, Alan Schwartz. Who wins in Leadville 100? Who wins that race? Oh, definitely 19, and because I may have been. Well, I, I wasn't, honestly, I was I, physically, I was, uh, and the, but the biggest thing is I wouldn't be, I, I'm way mentally more tough now. So, you know, and that's, that's the thing, the, <clears throat> the race, uh, the Leadville race or any really hard thing in life comes down to mentally toughness and mm -hmm. mental toughness. And, and the only way you get that is I see it as a building block, um, I go out and it's pouring down rain. Nobody else is riding. I'm going to go out and ride my bike. And I always say, this is the day you get double games. A, your competitors aren't riding. B, 
your training uh, in, in harsh conditions. So, and that's the way it is in life. You know, my, my dad used to say to me, successful people do the things unsuccessful people are unwilling to do. Wow. And yeah. yeah and so that, that you apply that in life, you apply that in your faith. Uh, you know, God never promised that this life was going to be easy. Um, but, um, he did promise he would never leave us, never forsake us and always be with us. And so, um, you know, there are days, you know, where you get up and you don't want to, uh, uh, do certain things, but doing them day after day, um, positions you for success, right? Well, it's really funny, Alan. I go back to early on in our podcast, you said, well, the Bible says in Romans that we're overcomers. And then in my brain, I don't know if we're quoting the same verse, different translation. In my brain, I went to Romans 8.38, for we are more than conquerors, the Bible says. Yeah, so that, that, that was the verse well, I was but, but some translations say overcomers. But here's the fun part. That's Romans 8.38, but in Romans 8.28, the Bible says, for God works all things out for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So I think that's really interesting in lieu of our discussion, because you said that 2019 Allen would beat 1995 Allen. And so my question then to you is, has God answered your prayer for original design? Yeah, that's a great question. (laughs) No, that's, that's, that, that is a, and that is a, that is a powerful thing. Uh, The answer is yes. Um, Then the, but then the debate is uh, in my mind is always, you know, I don't believe the God that I serve caused these things to happen to me, but I do believe he's been with me through it all the way. Yeah. yeah. And I, I agree with you 100%. People can get off on a weird theological rabbit trail, but the bottom line is we live in a fallen creation where people get cancer. My wife's got to go in for another surgery here in a month that was unexpected, and she had one in October. You know, things I'm, you know, I'm dealing with some kidney issues. You know, that, that's life, right? Yet we have a God who promises that he will never leave us nor forsake us. In fact, I think when you're on that mountain bike riding, I'm thinking of Isaiah 30, 21, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And I bet God would let you be in front because he feels like you need to be and just to get right behind you encourages you, you know. But but I've said this before, Alan, I, you are the mentally the toughest guy I know. And uh, it's good to know that in 95, I might have had a chance, but uh, now I don't know. But here, here's, why, here's, why I wanna, here's why I brought you on, man. I, I, I love your story. Uh, you're a great friend. You're an inspiring friend. But it's not about me or you. We've got men all around this country, actually all around the world. We've got, we got an email just last week from a young guy in Cape Town, South Africa. You know, all around, Listen to this podcast, and he's an athlete. He's a tennis coach. All these guys in the world, and, and and it's so easy in life, man, to make excuses. You know, I mean, I didn't summit this mountain, a cl- cloud peak, about two weeks ago, and I, I've got so many excuses. But the bottom line is, I didn't summit. That's the bottom line. And so there are a lot of guys out there saying, "Well, I'm too busy. Well, you don't know. I've got a physical problem, or I'm too old, or I'm too this." But what would you say to those guys to not condemn them or shame them, but what would you say to just encourage these guys, man, go after it while you go after it. What, just give these guys some encouragement. You know, I think it's so important to uh, enjoy the journey. So, you know, Leadville is on August 10th. That's one 10 hour day. That, that, that's that. And, and yes, I want to finish that. I want to, I want to do well. I, you know, you, you were encouraging me. You're like, bring home the buckle. You know, I wanted to bring home the buckle and, and, but the real fruit and the real, uh, uh, journey was every day leading up to that day. So I had a goal. I had a, had a, had a goal, but I have a wall calendar on the back of my office door and, Every day that I go out and ride, I take a green pen and I put a big X through it. I've accomplished what I want to accomplish in this 24-hour period, you know. And then if I did core workout or whatever, I, I make a check on that. So I can, I, when I'm sitting at my desk, I can look up at that wall. And as those Xs add up, there's a sense of satisfaction and there's a sense of progress. 
And what I would say to guys that are struggling, whether it's, you know, to get in shape or whether it's to go deeper in their faith or whether it's to be a better husband is don't try and race from today to the race day or the outcome, but do it one step at a time and break it down into the smallest chunks. Break it down into just in this 24 hour period, I am going to accomplish Maybe you start out, it's just one thing. When, when I first started this to get into mountain biking, it, when I was coming off my surgery, it was a big deal for me to walk to my mailbox and back. That was something to accomplish. Then I went to the mailbox and back twice, you know, and then, you know, and so on and so forth. So, you know, I love how in the Bible so many things are, are 40 days. I think 40 days is a great time period, mm-hmm. you know, take take your wall calendar and say, I'm going to do one small thing towards my goal for the next 40 days and, and scratch it, you know, put a big X on it when you do it. I mean, there's nothing greater. You know, I love mowing the lawn because when I'm done, (laughs) I can look out and I'm like, there is, I've accomplished, I've got it done. I got it done. Well, if you, if you want to, you know, grow closer, you know, if it's praying for five minutes for, for, for 40 days or for it's uh, reading your Bible or, or going out of your way to be the best you can be in terms of a husband or a father. Um, you know, I do it in small chunks and enjoy the journey. Yeah. The journey is more important than the destination. You know, I I was going to mess around with you a little bit and, uh, I, I went to the Leadville site and, you know, I can order a buckle online. Oh, really? Oh yeah. I can go order the buckle. So I thought it'd be really funny one day when, you know, let's go out and have a drink out at uh, so-and-so and show up and go, Hey, look what I got. But so what's the difference between my buckle and your buckle? There's a difference, isn't there? There's a big difference. I went I, I went for the end. You went for the journey. And the journey is always greater than the end. And the training is always greater than the victory. And the process is greater than the event. I mean, I think there's something to be learned here that is so deep and rich. I, I, I think these guys that listen to this podcast are really going to need to ponder some of this stuff. Because really... You know, I, I know that we talked about your large intestine, but this really is a gut check. Yeah. It really is a gut check. You know, what are what are we going to do? You know, so I, I was at the gym yesterday. I'm I'm doing a I don't know if you know this, Alan, but but I'm doing 180 workouts in 180 days to raise 180,000. So uh, I'm doing a double day today. So I'll go to hit workout with Shannon. I'll go spin tonight. And um, I'm gonna ride a actually ride a bike, a real bike tomorrow. But um, it's funny because I was telling a gal, the gal who manages the gym, I said, you know what? It's easier to work out seven days a week than four because, mm-hmm. because you eliminate options and excuses. Mm-hmm. And so it's just interesting. So, hey, so speaking of that, Alan, we'd like to get a boots on the ground for our, our listeners. So, guys, here's your boots on the ground. I'm doing 180 workouts in 180 days, and, and you heard what Alan has done. We want you to pick a goal, and I want you to pick a physical goal. Pick a physical goal that will challenge you and go after it. And so uh, whatever that is for you, uh, you know, you you draw your own roadmap, but we just want you to pick a physical goal and go for it. So, hey, Alan, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Dale. We had a great time. And, man, I'll tell you what, I'm going to listen to this again because uh, this uh, – I'm going to – I'm going to actually do some personal reflection on some of this stuff because this is, you know, it was fun to get into your head because I don't get into your head on just this topic. When we're together, we talk about multiple topics. So to really dive into this topic has really been uh, inspiring to me. So guys, we'll also post our boots on the ground action item in our weekly equipping blast that you can subscribe to at menandthearena.org. And when you do that, you can uh, we'll give you a free electronic version of our bathroom book for men. And then head on over to either Facebook and join our forum there, or you can get on our forum on our website. So, guys, uh, did you know we're a nonprofit, crowdfunded organization that exists to help men become their best version in Christ? And we have a great group of uh, champions, so we can freely offer this podcast weekly equipping blasts and discussion forums. You may not know this, guys, but we also offer all of our resources electronically for free to the three M's, active military, missionaries, and men in underdeveloped nations. You can find out more about supporting this great ministry at meninthearena.org. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Climb a mountain. Grind it out. And be a man. Men in the Arena. 
If you hunger to be your best version, join us along with thousands of men from around the world. Check out our Men in the Arena forums. You can join on Facebook or on our website at meninthearena.org. While you're on our website, remember to pick up your free electronic version of Jim's bathroom book for men, The Field Guide. It's a daily study of manly words with epic stories in the Bible. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for around the world and find out the type of dad you are.